Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, on this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show, we're breaking down episode four, season three, Phone Home. Watch what happens when Ray Palmer goes back to 1988 to see himself. Plus, find out what cool costume Lex Michael is wearing next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked a whole night. So thanks for joining, Lex. I don't I don't actually know all of the words to every song and singing in the rain. Well, you could have fooled me. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Legends of Tomorrow After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. We are breaking down every episode of Legends of Tomorrow, airing Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock, on the CW, here at least locally here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles? That's where we live, right? I think so. Los Angeles. I barely know where I am half the time. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. I am another one of your hosts, Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. And, of course, uh, Lucretia Lyon, Dave Child, the two people that round out this panel, the two people who, you know, sometimes it feels like we couldn't do the show without, have decided to uh, trick us by treating themselves to a night of Halloween festivities. I see what you did there. Thank you. Yeah, they're off else places being spooky. Yes, there you go. So feel free to follow them on social media at Mr. Dave Child and Lucretia Lyon. Uh, you can easily find it because there is only one in regards to Lucretia. See what kind of cool photos they're posting from their Halloween shenanigans. And everybody, uh, get ready. I know you were wondering, what is Lex Michael dressed as tonight? Lex, reveal to the crowd what your costume is. Uh... Um, I suppose I am a brand ambassador for the AMC network circa 2013. That's a deep cut. I love it. Very nicely done. There you go. Yeah, there well, it is. There, so there, folks, there it is. <laughs> there you go. There, there it is. I know you I guys are wagering. Just pulled myself right. out of that hole you covered up and let me walk into. That's right. So for those of you that are, you know, wagered properly on that guess... You know, collect those uh, those bets because uh, you're, you're pretty flush with cash by now, I'd imagine. But, folks, you can always like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes, not just because you like the show, although we do appreciate that, but to keep our dearly, not departed, but beloved, Lex Michael alive and well right here consistently on our panel. Yeah, we're going to need a bit of uh, an influx because I seem to have developed a resistance to the synthesized five-star reviews that we were we were previously using. So, yeah. Any, full, yeah. any validation. Authentic, full core, five star reviews. A uh, better thing to put in his Halloween basket than Snickers or Twix or uh, Milk Duds. Yeah, and the key really is that you can't cut it with anything. That's true. There mm-hmm. you go. And of course, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up while you're there, and feel free to hop in the chat, share your thoughts about Legends of Tomorrow in general or anything that we're going to be talking about this episode specifically. And this was a nice little mashup. If you found like Legends of Tomorrow, I'm at ET there. Yes. You would get a show very much like this. Uh, really quick, because you mentioned following along in the chat, Lucretia is not here. Lucretia is typically our oracle. Are we uh, in the booth? Is it possible for us to get the chat up in that window? Look, stuff's happening. Awesome! Oh, I bet. feel so secure in this moment. But yes, a lot of lot of ET stuff. 
It was. Uh, it starts off as we ended last week's episode with Ray Palmer, young Ray Palmer, back in 1988, Ivy Town, uh, escaping from some bullies, hiding out in a tunnel, and uh, then he meets somebody uh, much less mysterious than, of course, the teaser would make you think, or much less uh, menacing than the uh, the teaser would make you think. Well, so his eyes, right? It's the eyes and like the growly sound. Yes. Although it's totally possible, as we as we discover pretty quickly into this episode, right? It's a little baby Dominator, and the baby Dominator cute as heck by the way it's true the baby dominator apparently has all of the same abilities as a fully grown dominator without apparently their strategic decision making ability though not for nothing it seemed like that baby kept itself more or less contained and really only busted out its uh potentially dangerous powers at the opportune time that's true but all right you know what he could be wise beyond his ears but it's also possible i suppose that in the the tag at the end of the last episode maybe the little baby dominator was making ray see something potentially scarier because the teaser at the or the the tag at the end of the previous episode hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it didn't necessarily look like a baby Dominator. Very true. It looked much taller. Yeah, it looked taller. It looked like, you know, the eyes didn't look the same. It looked like it was moving a little weird. So it's totally possible that as a defense mechanism, little uh, gumball was making Ray see something a little spookier. Yeah, speaking of that, episode, uh, that teaser from the end of episode three, the way that is set up and shot, as we see young Ray on his bike trying to flee from these bullies, uh, we find out this episode, though, they kind of played a little fast and loose, try to make it seem much more suspenseful than it really was. Because this episode really sets up that he is not, he's unaware that those bullies are true bullies. He thinks they're just friends giving him a hard time. Uh, it's interesting because very early in the episode, especially, it's like once you once they first see young Ray walking around, and like he seems so he does he seems so positive and so pure. And early on in the episode, I found myself like sitting back and looking at grown up Ray, thinking, "Wow, how is it possible that this dude stayed like from childhood made it into adulthood and still retained that positivity that optimism how is it possible that somebody this pure wasn't completely destroyed by the world as it exists uh denial yeah uh, possibly it's it's just a constant choice you can you could definitely let yourself all the effects of the world the effects of things happening in your life weigh you down and choose to be more bitter and resentful i think it's a tougher thing to Stand in the face of that and just you know try to keep that positive, optimistic viewpoint. Absolutely. It also seems a little bit like Ray genuinely didn't know. Like you had that moment where grown Ray was watching these two guys pick on his younger self. And he has this moment where he puts together finally, oh, maybe we weren't friends. True. And I don't know if that, as a young kid you're thinking the, uh, thinking the best of people as opposed to so you're not really seeing their, their true, uh, I don't want to say like menacing, but just – Nah, and even nefarious might be too strong of a word, but they're just their poor intentions towards somebody and just, just make, mistaking them for just like playful. Well, I think part of it's that. And I think, you know, Ray, young Ray is depicted certainly not as uh, being particularly sad, but I think definitely depicted. And it's it's subtext more than its actual 
text for most of the episode, but is being pretty isolated and pretty lonely. Uh, so much so that, yeah, he doesn't want to part with Gumball because Gumball is basically his only friend at that point. So I can buy if you're that, uh, especially if you're that young and you're that open-minded, open-hearted, and you are that isolated and you do feel that lonely that even these two guys who are, from a third-party perspective, clearly picking on you, just the fact that they're around and they're paying attention to you. Yes. It's like if you can focus on that and not willfully ignore but overlook entirely the fact that they're choosing to be around you for not super nice reasons, it's totally possible. So this episode starts off with young Ray uh, on the run basically, and we see some men in black uh, stop him as he's about to go into this room to get this creature, which we don't know, at least at the point, is a young dominator. Uh, and uh, we see as he tries to make a move to go, because hey, I'm a kid, you're not going to hurt a kid, they end up killing him. Right. So the implication would be then in the version of history where that doesn't happen, where when we catch up with him again, he's already got Gumball in his home. Because I, I guess they went back in time before, because he found Ray, and then they found uh, young Ray found the Dominator. Then the Men in Black found him, right? And they got back to that point before those before the Men in Black. Fa- okay, yeah. I was because that was the one thing that I was a little bit like I, I spaced on at some point during the episode about the exact sequence, the uh, the sequence of events, and then the altered sequence of events. Yeah, but in my head, I was like, well, maybe like he went into that facility, and then like Gumball like brain zapped the dudes so they didn't kill him or something. But that makes way more sense. So. The big thing, and I guess we'll just ask this right away. I'm going to ask you this. Yeah. What do you think? These men in black, do you think they're the Time Bureau? No. I you think, think they're, they're truly men in black? I think they're the same people or tied to the same people that we saw in the crossover from gotcha. last year. Gotcha, yeah. Some the, the one who, officials. Like one of them who grows up to be uh, Donnelly Rhodes yes. in the cross, uh, dock from Battlestar Galactica. Um, I assumed that they were tied to that same arm of the government. Because it's it's tough when you have them basically wearing the same kind of outfits that the, the they don't have the pins. Ah, uh, that's true. That's it's, it, the pins. It's like it's, you got to key in on the word. Plus, the that's Time true. Bureau has like the it's like a dark blue suit, isn't it? More of like a, we watch on TVs where sometimes like the color clarity is a tiny bit off. If it's true. deep, if it's deep shades, sometimes it can be easy to mistake yeah. a deep blue for a light black. Is that a thing? Um, but yeah, I think their suits are black versus a dark blue, and then they don't have the pins. So that alone, right. I figured, yeah, they're not. Plus, they're using pretty standard government-issue technology on their person. Like, obviously, they've got very advanced tech in the facility where they're keeping gumball, but they have, you know, they have guns. They don't have, you know, True. fancy time guns. Yeah, it was me trying to look for, uh, me making that, that, that leap perhaps I shouldn't have for thinking, oh, hey, this is kind of tying into what they discussed last episode, where, like, any kind of uh, uh, authority will ultimately turn corrupt. And then you start seeing, not that they're just protecting time, but by doing it by eliminating threats as opposed to just returning uh, aberrations back to their proper points in time. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, we're, that's a, that's we're a so, big stretch. That was a big, big but we're also, we're also, I mean, we're so early in the season, right, that we have no idea how, for example, in the case of the Time Bureau, how that's going to play out yet. Yeah. I... It's like so hard because now it's just we're predicting wildly this early into the show. But it's like you could, I could see a bunch of different scenarios with the Time Bureau uh, playing out. And I also see how I think as a bureaucracy, they're not going to be all that interested in whatever Rip's personal history with the legends may or may not have been. And I wonder if at some point does that 
potentially create conflict between Rip and the body of the organization that he founded. I don't know. That's true, you know, and, and that could very well happen. I, I'm thinking, at least for right now, we haven't seen that as of yet. I feel like we've, we've only seen... begun to just scratch at what the Time Bureau is. Like We've gotten like the info dump about like what they represent and what their actual job is meant to be, but we don't know much about the inner workings of the agency necessarily other than a couple of faces that we've met. True, and I, I have a feeling once we kind of pull the trigger on Malice and we introduce him and we start seeing him play a more active role in the season – then we might start seeing what some some fractures starting to happen within the time bureau. Yeah, I mean, if that's the direction yeah. they want to go in, what do you just uh, you know usually say predictions for the end of the show? But just I'll ask one for right now, just uh-huh. a little mini little yeah, mini yeah. prediction. Uh-huh. The uh, what do you think the odds are that the time bureau remains intact at the end of the season? I would say greater than fifty percent. Okay, I would say greater than fifty percent. Now, if you asked me what the odds are of Rip still being in charge of the Time Bureau by the end of the season, I would say under fifty percent. And if he's not in charge of that, is he back with the Legends? I don't know. A part of me would think that would be the obvious direction to take him back in, but I also think he works so much better as an outside party that is around, that is very much right. a presence, but that gets to act in whatever capacity he does as a foil for them. If he's not running the Time Bureau anymore, I'd be totally cool with Rip just being like a rogue agent moving through time, trying to correct anomalies, occasionally bumping into the legends and being like, you guys, shaking a newspaper at him, being like, stop it. And then <laughs> then going off on his merry. Well, I mean, so far, what, episode four right now, and we've seen Rip in one episode. How many How many episodes of the season? Is it another? Because I know the First season was was like only thirteen or so, yeah, and, and season two was eighteen. Eighteen, and I don't know if this got twenty two or eighteen again. Somebody in the chat, can you let us know? Do our jobs for us. Can you let us know conclusively how many episodes there are this season? Is it another eighteen, or did they bump it up to twenty two? Because you're right. Out of four episodes, Rip Hunter has only appeared in 25% of them so far. And Ivan Soto there in the chat says, Arthur Darvill has said that Rip kind of regrets creating the Time Bureau, and he misses being with the Legends. Uh, Luna Malfoy 7 says it's 19. 19 Thank you. Mind Morph says Rip has two more shoes left. (laughs) Is this a reference (laughs) that I'm missing? (laughs) Just two more shoes. That's it. It's, it's, I hope he doesn't run out of them. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, do they match? Uh, I Wouldn't it suck if you only had two shoes left and they were both the left foot? Um, yeah, that would be. <laughs> but if that's if that's the case, like uh, sixteen, seventeen, nineteen through twenty-three, uh, if that's the case, then that's like a long stretch of time that we'd see we would be without Rip this season. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, certainly we missed him for the first half of last season. And he really didn't come in until mid, uh, the mid-season return. But I thought last season they utilized him so effectively. I thought the idea of Rip as an antagonist, whether fully of his own volition or not, is a great one. Which is why, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he can stick around in some capacity, but that they don't fold him fully back into the team. Because, yeah, I think he doesn't necessarily need to be a villain, but I think him as a foil is where he is best utilized. Because I mentioned by the end of the season, it's going to have to be that Rip and uh, the Legends are going to have to team up to defeat Malice. Oh, yeah. And whatever, whoever. And again, it's Gary. Well, of course, we're going to have to have Gary. And Gary. It's, and, it's, like, it's, not for nothing, if Rip is not running the Time Bureau and there's still a Time Bureau, I nominate Gary. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. I, I would not disagree with you there. He's like, the, he's like the underdog, but through fortuitous circumstance, which, of course, will involve catastrophe and tragedy, I'm sure. But he's able to, this, this dude, pure of heart, uh, the symbol of everything that you want the Time Bureau to be, uh, all of a sudden, unexpectedly ascends to this position and does exactly the right stuff and shepherds us into a new age of 
time bureaucracy I, that is good. Uh, I like to think that uh, Gary is really malice, slow playing everybody. God, that would hurt so much. I'm, I'm already so. I'm already so. We're four episodes in. <laughs> Gary's been in what one and a half of them. I'm so attached already. So, uh, cutting back to our legends, of course, we would join them in present day with Ray wanting to do some team building. And the best team building, uh, in his opinion, is like, why don't we start off with two truths and a lie? Have you ever done two, two, two truths and a lie? I'm sure I a decade ago, or maybe, you know, like in, uh, in like some drama program as like a, an ice-breaking activity, right. maybe. I'm sure I have. I could not tell you. At summer camp, perhaps... Okay. Uh, do you want to give me two truths in a lie right now? I'm going to put you on the spot. Do I have to? Well, well why not? Let's just see. Let's see how, I mean, you know. Um, oh, man. Uh, keep keep ta- vamp while I right, think vamp of something. While you think of that? All right. So I'm trying to remember the- facts about myself. <laughs> no, there you go. As he digs into his Lex Michael database. Uh, so, of course, Ray's uh, wanting to do this with a team. And since nobody seems to be keen on two truths in a lie, he decides, you know, the best thing to do is, uh, you know, trust falls. Who doesn't like a good trust fall? And he's paid Mick to, of course, do this with him. So why not to ensure that somebody will do it with you than just pay them off? I remember two truthful things about myself, and now I'm trying to come up with something that is nonsensical. Okay. All right. Well, you don't want to be so nonsensical that I wouldn't buy it. No, but it's right. It's got to like I have to I have to now fabricate. That's right. A lie efficiently. Okay. I understand. Keep just vamp. Just yeah, keep, vamping. keep vamping. Keep, keep You're vamping. basically doing a show by yourself right. until I can think of a third thing. I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mick goes and does the trust fall, but that is the moment when uh, the dead Ray, his his death kind of ripples through the time continuum and catches up to adult Ray, and he disappears. And they realize, uh-oh, young Ray's been killed back in 1988. They head back to put a stop to this. Hey, guys, sorry to jump in. We do have, uh, we do have one in the chat. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, you guys <laughs> Wait, I, what was it? I like, who said that? Oh, let's see. Uh, Mind Mindmorph. I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly. I like to lie. I don't lie. And I wore two shoes. And I wore two shoes. There you go. All right. Uh, well, let's see. What, what are the two truths and a lie right there? I feel like I'm. I get through number two and I'm stuck. That's right. <laughs> I feel like that's the idea. I feel like yes. what I have. Ivan Soto missed my enthusiasm. Thanks. Who doesn't? Who does not miss Lex Michael on a regular basis? I don't know. My parents. Um, get out of here. <laughs> How dare you? Um, okay. Uh, oh, oh, man. All right. I still, I still can't think of a good lie. I, I keep thinking of, I keep remembering other things that I've actually done. And I go, oh, that's, All right. that's interesting. Well, you know what? We will, uh, whenever you're ready, you let me know and we'll play Two Tours and a Lie. I forgot one of the factual things All right, in the well, time it took you to say we that. We still have 30 minutes and three seconds to break down the <laughs> show, Lex. And the next <laughs> 29 and a half minutes this is gonna be sitting a long, here quietly trying to think of All a right. third. I love it. Uh, uh, yeah, go. Uh, so they decide they have, back, they have to head back to 1988 Ivy Town to stop them. So we've got that is one storyline, and we'll get we'll follow that a little bit. But let's take a sidetrack to uh, pursue a little bit of storyline with good old Stein, Jax, and a little bit of Mick there, where people are thinking, "Hey, wait, Stein is being kind of grumpy. He doesn't want to be here. He's being kind of secretive. Could he be a traitor? Could he be reporting us to the Time Bureau?" So okay. Uh... Obviously, we're laying the groundwork for what we know is Victor Garber's impending departure from the show. And I actually really like where we ended up with the speed plot. I think some of the hoops we jumped through to get there were a little wonky. Mm -hmm. I feel like, for example, Jax 
accepted the idea that maybe Stein was selling them out real quick. Like, he went from, no, there's no way to, oh, my God, this is definitely what's happening in in about half a second. Yeah. And I get it. We need to get – we have 42 minutes to tell this this story, and we have even less time to tell the B plot. So, all right, we got to get from A to B in relatively short order. But, like, quick turns like that just felt abrupt to me. I didn't totally understand, even once Stein explained it, why he felt he had to lie about it. I mean, I guess just because he knows how now the kind of the shoe in the other foot where it was more important for Jax to be doing this and Stein was not as keen anymore because he's got Lily, his family's going to be a grandfather. I guess he's more he's less excited about this this ongoing mission. Well, no, that I totally get. Yeah. I don't get why Stein felt – all right. I he get, couldn't tell everybody? You're right. I get why he couldn't tell everybody that he wanted to be there for the birth of his grandchild. And, of course, once that comes out, Jax is like, of course. Why would you think I wouldn't want you to be there for that? Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. That makes total – yeah, I totally like, so agree with even once, even once Stein explained his reasoning, I was still sitting there going, you, this seems like the type of thing you could have told them. Yeah. Not Maybe not the, the I don't want to be on the ship anymore is a totally separate conversation that, yes, yes you're going to have to sit everybody down and have that conversation at some point. But no, just being present at the birth of your grandchild, to me, seemed like exactly the way Jax reacted. It's like, br- why would you think anything else? Uh, as Min Morph says, the B-plot was rushed and awkward. I would agree with that. I mean, I think, like, it was... I agree with Lex. Where it got to was a good point, but it was a little kind of... You know, I really liked the scene after the birth of little Ronnie, which I thought was cute, that, yes. that uh, he's named after Ronnie Raymond. Um, I liked the moment of, uh, or the little scene of Stein and Jax and Rory in the hallway. I liked that Rory offered a cigar to a baby, and you know he was only sort of joking. Yeah, You true. know if they hadn't stopped him, if Jax and Stein had both gone, ha, 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 he would have probably lit the cigar and put it up to the baby's face. <laughs> the, uh, it is interesting, though, just in this, this new kind of time stream that we are in where Lily has always been in Stein's life. Uh, what the relationship with Ronnie Stein and Lily was growing up. Because it seems weird for Lily wanting to call her son Ronnie because we know that, at least from our perspective, they've never met because Ronnie was out of the picture before time was changed, at least at least in, in our watching of the show, but now knowing that, of course, time has been rewritten and Ronnie was back there in time when Lily was also part of Stein's life. Right. It was like, did they have much of a relationship or is it a situation where it's like, okay, well, I know that my dad was somehow weirdly metaphysically bonded to this guy and together as a unit, they saved the world together, etc. So True. It's, and, and he perished tragically saving the world. It's almost like it's like naming your firstborn after a, a war buddy who sacrificed himself for you. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, because without, without all of that, it wouldn't have led to Jax, which wouldn't have led them to the Legends, which is the Aberration. Boom, boom, right. Screen. They still, in a way, it's like, I was going to say, like, they, they owe, I mean, they owe Ronnie immensely for his sacrifice, because in sacrificing himself, he enabled everybody else to not die quite yeah. so much. Um, so, yeah, the, their lives as they still exist, they owe to him in a way as well. Whether or not Lily and Ronnie actually had any concrete relationship in this version of the timeline. Yeah, that's yeah. So it's uh, I thought it was, I mean it was a nice little touchstone. Make sure that Ronnie Raymond is not forgotten. You know, for I figured it out. I got two truths and a lie. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you have not been waiting for. 
is happening right now. Figured it out. Do you, but, you, but see, if I give if I give two truths and a lie, you better also come with two truths and a lie. All right. Even if that means I got a vamp for like, I'll, I'll just grab your notes and be like, this also happened. <laughs> I, I'm good Frank luck, Moran good now. Good luck reading this chicken yeah, scratch. Yeah, I have no idea what any of those symbols mean. Uh, all right. Okay. Ladies and Ooh. Ready? 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 All right. Thanks, Michael. Lay it on me. Your two truths and a lie. Okay. Ready? Yes. I have three cats. I'm in a David Cronenberg movie. I was born in Brazil. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, one more time for everybody in the chat to hear them. Uh, three cats in a David Cronenberg film and born in Brazil. Feel free to chime away in the chat, too, if you... Oh, we, we, we'll fun. reveal it at the end of the program. That's true. Yes. Oh, so you better, you better come with, like, yes. two lies and a truth of your own. There you go. I will come up with mine in just a matter of minutes, and then we'll uh, let the chat kind of stew on that, and we'll reveal our answers at the end of the program. Bonkers. All right. Am I just, <laughs> am I just vamping now? No, 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 no. We're going to keep going on. I'm, are we, are, I can we could do a trust fall, and you're going to vanish? That's right. Yeah. Come to me, Lex. Come I'm, to I'm me. not doing it. So, uh, so they head back to 1988 Hill Valley, and uh, you know that it's always a nice moment where you get to interact with your younger self, at least even from a distance. And I do like that Ray's first inclination is like, "We got to go to this cool pizza place. We got to go to this cool video store." Because I imagine it's if you bu- bring in your it's, friends, sorry, it's bugging me. I can't remember the name of the pizza place now, but I remember having a moment where he said the name of the pizza place, and I was like, "Ha." Huh. That's the best. Not because it's a reference to anything. Yeah. I was just like, I wish I had a pizza place called that near me. And I, I would so be so – I would be massive. I would just be eating whole pizzas four times a day <laughs> if I had – but I can't remember the name of the uh, – Look at that. Uh, uh, boy. Uh, Lex <laughs> is defo a crazy cat lady. Yep. All right. Defo. Uh, and Ivan Soto cannot remember the name of the pizza place either. Thank you, Ivan. <laughs> and Seb Russ also thinks I have seven cats. That's right. Okay. There you go. Uh, Is it Pizza Palace? What's it, Pizza Palace? Uh, pizza Palace. That, might sound, that sounds like a good place. Sure. Yeah. I don't know why it, like, set off. If that's what it is, I don't know why that set off, like, fireworks in my brain. But it, it could have been – I ate a protein bar like halfway through this episode. I might have been really hungry when he mentioned Pizza Palace. Yeah. And that's probably what did it. Um, yeah. Now Lex has beef. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. So, uh, but I but I like because if you're bringing your friends back to your like hometown, especially yeah. from when you were a kid, you want to show them. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, we got to do yeah. this, and we got to do this, yes. and we got to do this, and like the nostalgia trip for him too. Yeah, it's like so like so many things. So little of it had to do with the, the, oh yeah, I guess I'm supposed to die, and I guess we better solve that too. But in the meantime, guys, let me take you to these really cool spots first, right? And then we can get back to you know saving me. Eh? But again, it's like it's like well, this one is a little different because if if Ray is potentially dying uh, on which whichever timeline is splintering off from whatever point, then you do have to deal with adult Ray blipping in and out of reality. But if it wasn't one of your team members, in theory, they still do have a time machine. So as we've discussed, in theory, they could just go on a whirlwind tour of this entire town that lasts a month and then get down to business unless somebody else is messing with time at the same time. That's really the only only, uh, situation in which there's intense urgency when you have a time traveling ship, is if somebody else is actively messing with time that you have to stop. I would think. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I feel like you know, yeah, you've got that's always the with these time travel shows. It always gets tough where you're like, all right, how much time can we just like <laughs> spend out having the, fun, or how much time do we need to be focusing? The on The Queen this? of Regal says, "Lex got child's beef." Yeah, <laughs> which I am now getting tattooed <laughs> over <laughs> across the, my shoulders. <laughs> Uh, so, 
Yeah, we do have this moment too with uh, Zari, who's like, yeah, this is your first like kind of introduction on a regular basis into the dynamics of the team. Yes. Uh, so she's kind of kind of figure out like what is everybody's kind of deal, even though she kind of name checks everybody very quickly at the top of the episode about what their deal is. Uh, I feel like her and Ray having a conversation about his somewhat eternal optimism, and it's like, what what is? Why do you keep acting like this? That's creepy and weird. Yes. And I like Ray saying, like, why, why not be positive? Right. And, and like you were saying before, it's about making that choice because the world is horrifying. The world has always been horrifying. And the more access to information that we have, the more horrifying we all realize that the world is. So like, I, I do agree with you. I agree with you completely that optimism, to, to an extent— it you, looks like someone looked up the pizza place, and Ivan Soto says it's Pizza Master. Oh. Pizza Master. That's what it was. Pizza Master. Yes. Look at that. I know. I get it now. I'm back to the fire. Thanks. I'm now back to the fireworks in my brain. Pizza Master. Love it. Uh, yes, to one extent or another. And yes, this is definitely more difficult if you are dealing with, say, depression. It is not as simple as flipping a switch and making a choice to be optimistic. But to an extent, you do have to condition yourself to approach things in as optimistic a way as possible. And I like... We don't sit in that for too long in this episode. But I like with one line, Ray is able to convey exactly that. The fact that positivity, if if you're in a position to make the choice, is a choice. And if you just follow that, especially, too, if you've been doing it since childhood, I would imagine as a reflex, it's like you work that muscle, becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, follow through on that. Also, you brought up... Uh, uh, Zari, and I thought a couple of things over the course of this episode. One, she's, she's fitting in pretty well immediately. Yeah. She even got a sweet costume when while all the legends like show up to go <laughs> trick-or-treating at the end of the Down episode. into that ISIS, man. That. Yes. But then also... Oh, hang on. Here we go. We got Star, Star, Star Drew. Star Drew says, I got two truths and a lie. Frank liked the girl strip movie slash Frank watches Boo 2 slash Frank watches Boo 2 before Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, thank you, Star Drew. Uh, I think the lo- well. Wait, wait. Hang on. Yes. If if you watch if you watch Boo Two before Thor Ragnarok, then you've retroactively made the second one true as well because you've also watched Boo Two. So if if three is true, two has to be true. Oh, so then we. I guess we know what the lie would be there. Then did you not like Girl Strip? Uh, I never saw Girl Strip. You didn't see it? No. Oh, it's dude, it's good. Oh, is it? It's All actually right. quite good. I mean, I saw, uh, was it Rough Night? And I was like, Ugh. I did not see Rough Night. But Girl Strip, Girl Strip, I wouldn't have thought I was the audience for. It's great. All right. It's really good. And you can take that to the Lex Michael Bank right there. But so we really didn't get to the bottom of, of that one. So no, you no, didn't. I, I have not, uh, I have not seen I'm Oh, so Frank likes Girl Strip would be the lie because you haven't even true. seen it. Yes. Okay, so I, we solved that puzzle. There you go. So th- did you see Boo 2 before Ragnarok? I, I have to go see Boo 2. <laughs> now you have I to... lost a bet, and I have to go see it. I have okay. not seen it yet, Star Drew, but I will be going to see this. Okay. Oh, dear Lord. Yes. Oh, I went on an emotional journey <laughs> just now. Uh, so, of course, we get to have Ray going back to his childhood home because he's looking for the baby Dominator. Yes. Oh, I got. I totally got sidetracked by yeah. what was happening in the chat. The other thing I wanted to say about uh, Zari, and I'm jumping to the end of the episode, the last conversation that uh, she and Ray have in the episode where they do the they reprise the two truths and a lie and it's the it's the what was it oh god what was the first Z uh, back home everybody called me Z all my friends called yep. me Z second one was I got Legend of Zelda but couldn't beat the final boss sidebar 
two th- one uh, Ray Palmer's delivery of Gannon, amazing, <laughs> wonderful. But also, you know that one's a lie immediately because if you buy a Zelda game and you're talking to somebody who probably likes Zelda, you're going to specify which Zelda. Unless you unless you mean specifically the original, in which case I think you'd still say the original because I feel like most Zelda fans would then ask you which one. Do you mean mm. like? Link's Awakening, Link to the Past, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Majora's Ocarina of Space thing. Anyway, this third one was the third one. Third one was I Love Musicals, right? Yes. And, the, and then they have that moment where, uh, you know, it's like, right, well, Z, we're going to go watch uh, Singing in the Rain or whatever. That moment. So much more organic chemistry just in that scene than in any other attempted romantic pairing for Ray Palmer since the beginning of the show. I would agree. And it felt so if they, and I hope they don't like force it in that direction because we've seen what happens when such attempts are made. Hot girl. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's actually an opportunity here for for some type of romantic chemistry in a way that I don't feel that often between the characters on this show. I think they function really, really well as an ensemble, as a team, as a, as a unit. I don't feel sparks flying between too many of them, except obviously Nate and Amaya, and they've got that whole uh, romantic B or C story, depending on the episode. But I really actually feel like, oh, okay, there's stuff going on here, and she's like spent the most time with Kid Ray, so she's scene she spent more time around him to see the elements of his personality that have always been there since he was at his most pure she can now track it and see more of that in grown ray than maybe the rest of his teammates are able to and that has to has to bond you to somebody true yeah where it doesn't feel like because at the beginning of the episode it's just a fake are you doing this to see that it's nope he's had this since he was a little kid it can definitely give, give, give you a better perspective on somebody do you feel that uh, uh, here we go? Also, Sarah and Leonard had great chemistry. Agreed, agreed. But Leonard is no longer full time member of the team. Yes, uh, which I mean, and they even name checked that back in Flash uh, a few episodes ago. Oh, all the people that have died. Yeah, and then they threw like where uh, where it starts funeral. Well, yeah, yeah. It, but it's... we know we know he did like he sacrificed himself in season one, and presumably in our timeline or the main timeline, then they you know the legends came back in the crossover. I think they mentioned that they lost Snart, and then yeah. Snart they must have had a service after that, which would have been the better part of a year later. But maybe it just didn't occur to the legends to go back and tell anybody. I guess until <laughs> I guess, then, yeah. oh, and they oh. told Barry, and Barry's like, "Well, dang, we should do something." No. Should we please go? Yeah, should we go get him? I uh, uh, let's say. Oh, I'm inside. Oh, nice, Frank. Happy you mentioned it. Yep, I'm not happy about it. But <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I still feel like that's one of the biggest losses for Legends of Tomorrow, which is that you take they that you've just kind of taken Snart off the table. I was under the impression when Wentworth Miller signed that overall deal that we'd start seeing more of him. But I think we've seen him. What I think he popped up on Flash once at the end of last season yeah he came for like that one like quick cameo early in the season well there's where a he, like where he's seeing something and he imagined it was start yeah and then it was that last episode it was where, the or, king shark episode yes yeah yeah but i just feel like to take that character off on legends i feel like there are some characters you can kill in a show and it, that's fine but i feel like there are some characters that have a greater universal use and i feel like snart is one of those characters that 
could be great. I'd love to see him in an Arrow episode, but also just a Flash. I mean, Captain Cold is just one of those great, constantly recurring Flash films. Yeah, it's not so much that they took him off of Legends, although that by itself is a bummer. It's that right now, they're not really using him anywhere. Yeah, and that's such a great character, and I feel like it makes it difficult to use him now because you have to justify, we even have to go in the past to grab him, but never really tell him that in the present he's dead. And I feel like that that's just so many so many layers of complexity. Well, I, feel like the, I feel like the easy workaround would be the what they did with Katie Cassidy, which is you kill off whatever iteration of that character they're they're playing on the main the main timeline of the show, and then you just pull in Earth whatever version of that character because now she's around right fairly full time on Arrow yeah. uh, as Black Siren, and I, I really 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 dig her as a uh, Black Siren. I feel like you could just as easily pull a snart from another dimension and yes it's not going to be the exact same snart it's for all intents and purposes a different person but if you search the multiverse long enough you could probably find a snart that is similar enough where you could forge over time the same type of bond and not have to deal with the baggage of oh but you're also totally dead (laughs) that's true and as ivan sutter says in their chat leonard is coming back soon uh honestly i will be uh not soon enough and if he's going to be in this crossover that's fantastic but I just want him to be an ongoing presence in the present day DC TV universe. So that way we can use him easily at any time that you want. So anyway, there you go. That was my little rant about Snart. All right. So and where, are your, where are your two truths and a lie? Oh, oh, oh we're doing oh, the my two girl truths strip one doesn't count. No, you were given that. Oh, okay. Right. I wasn't <laughs> given one. Oh, well, fine. Uh, let's see. I, I. Oh, I had my okay. We're gonna have to need one second. Stuff, I, all right, I, I'm gonna vamp. I had, I had my three, and then I. Uh, so now I'm down to two. I forgot one of my facts. All right, I'm totally gonna vamp. I liked the little kid that was playing Young Ray quite yeah, a bit. I did like him. He did a really good job. Quite like every moment of his that felt awkward felt awkward in exactly the way it was supposed to. It felt like he was an awkward little kid, not he was an awkward child actor who didn't know how to do it. And I feel like that's tough. I feel like maybe the single most noteworthy thing about Stranger Things, a show that does quite a bit pretty dang well, the single most noteworthy thing about it is the fact that they have that many child actors on that show that are that good. It's hard to find one that is that good, let alone a small ensemble of them. I thought this kid was really great, really adorable. I thought his bond with uh, Gumball was heartbreaking. I have a, have a hard time with anything that uh, aggressively cute because, like, this is, a, this, is ter- this is how my brain works. Something that adorable and that pure, my brain immediately goes to the impermanence of all things. And I think anything that beautiful and great and pure cannot possibly be long for this world, and then my heart starts breaking. I'm, I'll work this out. Therapy probably will help with thoughts like that. I don't know. Uh, but, like, heartbreaking. Like, truly, truly heartbreaking that moment when he leaves. And, like, you know, obviously, uh, Gumball's going to be happy. He's with his mom. He's going to be totally fine. He's going to grow up, be a dominator, do awesome dominator stuff. They're super tall. That seems like it must be fun. Um, but, yeah, like, Ray, Ray loses his old buddy at the end but then gets a whole bunch of like tall grown-up friends in great costumes but i i will say there at the end when he goes like but you know now i got a bunch of people that are always be looking out for me i'm like they'll be looking out for you for the next few hours and then they're all gone kid because i gotta head back to the present yeah oh my god that conversation too where it's like the the two bully kids are like wow they're really cool (laughs) and then they go peace to get more candy 
the scene we didn't see was the conversation where they all tell young Ray that, oh, no, we're all leaving you, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ray. We Although I go. like to think I like to think that scene where the two bully kids acknowledge that, like, oh, you're with these like this is pretty cool. Maybe they'll start to be a little nicer to Ray from now on is the hope that I have in the back of my head. Yeah. That's all right. So, like, you just proved your bona fides to us. You got all the, you got coolness. You're just, like, whipping coolness at us. <laughs> whipping coolness. All right. You know, actually, the, the, I felt like Jax had to restrain herself from wanting to uh, flame on, because that would have really tipped the hand that, that really they weren't really costumes. Uh, all oh, right. We haven't, sorry, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Gumball made all of the agents do Sing. the number from Singing in the Rain. Yes. And you got to wonder... Is everyone at this agency a trained singer and dancer? Do they do, like, a company musical annually? Or is uh, the mental power of the Dominator such that they can not only beam all of the choreography into your head, but can actually make your body limber and pliable enough to pull all these steps off? You uh, cannot tell me that being uh, musically trained and proficient aren't essential elements of being a, an, an agent. Because you never know when uh, singing and dancing can get you out of any situation. Well, I mean, what? Uh, honestly, though, you think about, like, if you are an agent at the peak of your uh, physical conditioning, right? Your body must be in great shape. I assume, like, you know, you've done your stretches. Your lung capacity, if you're, if you're running, if you're swimming laps in the pool, right, your lung capacity is probably pretty solid. Yeah. Now, yes, if you have no singing or dancing experience at all, the adaptation process maybe wouldn't be instantaneous, but you would definitely be, I would think, in better shape to adapt to that than, say, I don't know, you or me right now in this moment yeah <laughs> all right so before we get going out here because we're running out of time i will say my two truths and a lie thank you thank you everybody thank you thank you uh my my two truths my two truths and a lie okay. is that uh i i don't talk about uh big fan of country music one of my guilty pleasures we'll say that the other one is that david carradine once told me to shut up <laughs> And that uh, I have enough shirts, enough T-shirts, that I could go three years without ever wearing the same shirt twice. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Those are my two truths and a lie. Oh, man. All right. See, like, I'm really hoping it's the country music thing, but the T-shirt thing was real specific. Mm. was so specific that either you actually have counted out every one of your shirts or you just made that up. Well, we'll see. Well, we, well, we'll see. Anyway, as we break down the rest of this episode, we do have a little bit of the Nate and Maya, as you talked about, sometimes a B, sometimes a C plot. Yes. A little bit of that kind of uh, friction between them because, of course, Nate, uh, I, I feel like almost deliberately was playing up to like, oh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm single and, you know, I can flirt with people. And, right. Uh, what, are you jealous of Maya? Hitting on Ray's mom. I will say I realized at some point during this episode I could watch the two of them do anything and or nothing because they are really excellent together i did like nate's line where he wants to go back the second time to uh check on ray's mom how do i look (laughs) i'm gonna go i did like just that little bit of line i thought that was nice nicely done by uh good old nate yeah well like as as we alluded to earlier i mean the two of them have such crazy crazy good chemistry and i also i like like yes you can tell a story about the two of them in a in a relationship and still create a whole bunch of interesting scenarios and drama that aren't are they going to break up or not but i really like the dynamic uh 
uh, as like will they won't they exes between the two of them. I think that's like the sweet spot for those two characters to be yeah. at least right now. And I think the way they play all of that material is like dead on. Now, one other scene that I thought was a good moment too was just uh, uh, Ray hearing his mom talk about you know just kind of really kind of lets the uh, the veil kind of down. When she doesn't know that the, both of them can hear, young Ray and adult Ray can hear her talking to Nate and Amaya about, uh, you know, the, the dumb things that he builds. and you know, letting Which not for nothing. In. Whether he can hear you or not, that's a pretty crappy thing to think about your kid. But yeah, there are some things when you don't think that they're there that you just kind of, you can drop your guard down. You say that unfiltered thing. I hope that she's just venting and frustrated and yeah. not like she genuinely thinks that Ray's clear intellectual prowess and ambition is a bad thing somehow. That's true. Uh, but I, yeah. But, I, you know, it's just I, sometimes the parents will say kind of a mean thing, whether intentionally or not, just whether because she is frustrated that Ray's already made her come home from work twice. So it could be that moment of frustration. She just kind of says something, kind of says that darker thought that she probably wouldn't ordinarily say. Right. Yeah, I definitely think it is coming from a place of frustration. I don't think Ray has a bad mom, if only because, like, Ray turned out pretty all right. Yeah. Um, I do. I I was actually fooled for a minute when Nate does go back to the house and the faux Ray <laughs> mom yes. was just like real, like just all about it. I it took me a second to be like, what? Oh, what is happening? Like but this then, is so. I do. That made me think that that Ray's mom like said, you know what? I think this animal control person is definitely coming back. I better get ready. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just or in maybe case. It's just like what she. She, she just <laughs> well maybe she just no but like maybe she just hangs out like not because she's waiting on anybody maybe she just likes like that's how she likes to relax at home just get really gussied up just in have, a like, row just have like a bottle of wine or something yeah. nearby and like just drink from a glass and like watch some trashy primetime tv and just like kick back and feel like good about yourself and then <laughs> and then you look through the keyhole and you're like oh it's that cute animal control guy no well hubba, hubba. but of course as it turns out uh nate makes out with the dominator that's true and so of course we've got the dominator uh after nate and amaya we've got ray young ray Sorry, the idea that that was the dominator's plan too yes. is hilarious to me <laughs> i'm just gonna have uh just do some kind of intimacy with this this human animal control person and get the information that i need although i guess my reading sarah's mind realizes that yes he's part of the legends team so she probably recognizes him sorry it's somebody that can get me one step closer to getting my young gumball back totally i just i like that the plan was to make out with them <laughs> that's right uh and then we've got uh the two rays and uh sorry uh getting a gumball to them as well and we get a nice moment which we speculated last week would we see bicycles flying and would they be in front of a moon and dave child thought like nope that's too much copyright copyright infringement we'll see them like maybe dip no this was nice full-blown boom not just one, two bikes, and uh, the, the Adam. Ray, their Adam playing just so right good. By. Was yep. so good, and I like <laughs> I like the way that that everybody's uh, abilities in that moment fed into that image. Yes. Like yes, of course the image was there because we wanted to shoehorn in a very blatant reference to the iconography of ET. But I like that the way they built into that moment felt very organic. Yes. And I like that Zari had an opportunity to use her powers, lift the bikes. I like that uh, Gumball had a little moment where he peeked out and was just like, "What's up?" The, the special effects of just the uh, the woods and the and the moon. I thought it just uh, it all came together. It was very nice work on that. To put that together is a nicely realized shot. I will say overall, you didn't seem mad at any point during this episode. No, usually I get really frustrated at the with at least of something. And no, I, you you look, your facial expression, as I've said before on this show, looks grave That's at true. times. That's true. It is when you watch me watching. I'm like. 
And I, I didn't see that moment no. happen tonight. I think there, were, there was like a line or two maybe where you were like, but no, overall, I never watched your face fully drop. No, that's true. There's something about like just that, uh, that, that, that the child within that was delighted by this episode. And uh, Star Drew says, I guess this wasn't time, cop. Uh, I, and yes, I haven't. I don't. For some reason, I don't have hot beef. Of, hot beef on this episode. It is a rare occasion when beef. I do not have hot beef about a legend of tomorrow show. Hot beef. I had no beef to uh, no beef to serve. Oh man. I uh, you know, and I know Lex is already <laughs> eating the protein bar, so it would have been a lot to require him to eat it. Luckily, there wasn't any to deliver. Uh, but I have such strong feelings about everything that just happened. All right, we're almost done. We're almost ready to wrap up here. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Jared Scoggin referencing the DeLorean, and yeah. I also thought. Of course, cannot be a coincidence. Uh, Nate was wearing the the tracksuit yes. while he was washing the door, <laughs> yeah. much like Biff yep. in the altered uh, 1985 at the end of Back Nicely to the Future. Done. Also, that driveway looked very similar to the front of the McFly house, just redressed. Very true. Uh, we'll, we'll do a, uh, just a quick prediction for next week's episode, and Chris uh, Maley's uh, question prompts us right into that. Now that they're going to be facing Dracula next week, or at least some vampires, do you think any of the legends get bit? Lex Michael has a thought about next week's uh, subject matter. Do I? Yes, you do. So please uh, let that lead us into your prediction. Your After Buzz TV predictions. Which which thought was this? Oh, about uh, va- facing vampires. Oh, well, when, when we saw this tag, for, my first reaction was like, okay, sweet, why not? Totally. But then my second thought was, there's, of course, the business in the teaser where it's like, vampires, vampires don't exist. This is far too preposterous. And I feel like we hit one of these uh, every couple of episodes on Legends and here and there on every other show where they'll encounter something that seems so out there and crazy. And they all go, this cannot possibly be. This is impossible. This is beyond all rational means of comprehension. And I'm sitting there going, like, you guys are friends with The Flash. Like you're literally you're you're literally friends with the Flash. You fight metahumans every other hour, and I get it. Like vampires, like something so specifically pulled from literature that we're all so familiar with. Yeah, I get there'd be a moment of like, whoa, weird. But given everything that all of these people have come up against, it's just so hard for me to go. This is the thing. It's so hard for me to think that anything would surprise them all that much. Frustrate and inconvenience, certainly. Truly, deeply surprised, less so. Having said that, the Legends fighting vampires, yes, I'm there for that. All right, somebody gets bit, yes or no? Somebody gets... Almost certainly, because there's no... Like, that's the most obvious way to juke up vampire drama is to have somebody get bit. Do I think anybody fully becomes a vampire on any permanent, ongoing basis? No. I would agree with that. I think the threat of indefinite vampirism probably hangs over the the head of at least one character. Uh, Ivan Soto in the chat, as you said, uh, well, first it's like the zombies last season. You were correct, our Civil War zombies. And Lex mentioned that too when we were watching that tag. Yeah, but, it was like there were zombies. They There were like the weird uh, bat monster people, right, yeah. in like season one, I think. Yeah, and then, he, yeah. So, oh yeah, from that, 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 Halloween, that version of the Halloween episode too that they were fighting. That was all. It was all due through genetics. But anyway, uh, dang genetics. Yes, and as Ivan Soto said a little bit earlier too, it's that yeah, the the other uh, writers were definitely making this an homage to uh, Back to the Future, uh, to Amblin films, to a lot of Amblin. Yeah, which we do that, but I feel like sometimes uh, homages like sometimes they're really nicely done, and sometimes they just are so 
like so cheesily executed that you're like, oh boy. And I felt like this was a good example of I f- yeah, I felt like they did a really good job. And doing it well. Yes, exactly, of working in all of those references, but not letting that be the episode. They were still telling a story that happened to have these references in it. Versus, we want to reference a whole bunch of Amblin movies. Let's fabricate a story to string these references together. All right, as we get ready to wrap up here, Lex Michael, uh, I'm going to I'm going to guess your two truths and a lie. I'm going to say the lie is that you have three cats. That is also the chat's uh, prediction for the majority. Okay, but most of the chat thinks I have more cats than that. <laughs> I think you have zero cats. Uh, false, but that was the lie. Oh, all right. That was the lie. The lie is I, I do not have three cats at home. In fact, we have two. Oh, well, look at you. <laughs> it was all just, right. it was a hair off. Hair I off. was, in fact, born in Brazil. I am, in fact, in a David Cronenberg movie, uncredited. But if you guys go and check out uh, Cronenberg's most recent movie, Maps to the Stars, in one of the first scenes, if not the first scene, Mia Wasikowska gets off a bus, and I get off the bus right behind her. I am the most, for, in, in this shot, I am the most visible thing that isn't Mia Wasikowska or a bus. And it's a close-up on her, so I'm pretty visible. Nicely done. This, is, right. this is, remains the highlight of my illustrious career. Uh, but only, yeah, this is, a, you're on an ascent, a rapid ascent, so great things are coming your way, Lex <laughs> Michael. All right, would you care to take a guess before we go? Oh, man. Um, I feel like it's the shirts thing, because that's so specific. And who, where would you keep that many shirts? Most mm. of the chat believes it is the country music. I'm hoping it's the country the music. The chat is correct. It is the country it music. It is. Okay. So you've, wait, so you've actually done... I feel so much better. So wait, you've actually done a count of all of the shirts you have. It's a dark... It's, a, it's dark, dark. I actually... You know what? Life. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure I've ever seen you in the same t-shirt twice. You, I maybe have, because I, I get a little lazy sometimes. Okay, but, uh, but so you've actually done I a count. potentially go that far so you have things not to be proud of so folks. you have over a thousand shirts yeah it's i think of a, 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 a deep fear of laundry good why god more shirts like you could fill two rooms with that i could that's gross all right but wait, real, real quick can you give me like the short the two seconds i know we got to get out of here can you yes. give me like the two second version of the story where david carradine told you to what shut up or go away i was working at a, a show we were doing a makeover and uh we had to reshoot a scene with him and he i was giving him some directions and he was already irritated and he put his hand right in my face and yelled hush I'll tell you more later. But yes, David Carradine once put his hand right in my face like this and screamed at me to hush. That means you're practically Hollywood royalty. That's right. There you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show. Thanks for sticking around with us a little bit longer than usual. Thanks for playing this little game with us. We really appreciated you sticking around with us in the chat as well. And as always, folks, you can like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes, not just for us, but more importantly, for Lex Michael. Oh, that's right. Yes, I may die. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Very casually. Just, <laughs> I, was, I made that. Whatever. You know, we, all, we all might. <laughs> that's true. We all will. Uh, and if you want to continue the conversation with us even after the show's over, Lex, Michael, where can they find you? I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. I'm also here at AfterBuzz talking about Supergirl on Monday nights. I do Comic Book Exchange with Frank Moran and Lucretia Lyon on Wednesday nights on Book Circle Online. And Tari J. Miller, who you may know if you watch other shows here at AfterBuzz, and I do our own podcast called Missing Out, where we show each other different pieces of media that we are very fond of that the other person may have missed based on our varying cultural backgrounds. We just started bringing on guests. We had on uh, your Lucretia Lyon. We had on your Dave Child. We're going to have on your Frank Moran That's if we can happen. afford his quote. Frank is very, very expensive. But go check lighter. out that show. We're very proud of it. We have a great time doing it. Uh, find us on Twitter, at Missing Outcast, and also wherever you can find podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play place. Check us out. Missing out. Uh, we like it. We like you. Mwah. Look at that. It's, it's, it's a must-listen-to podcast, folks. You deserve 
You deserve to give your ears that special treat. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. Everybody, we'll be back here four strong next week for the Legends of Tomorrow After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Speed off. Swamp off. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Hi. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.